1: God is an ardent, avid advocate for the weak, the poor, the disadvantaged, the marginalized, the less privileged. And he actually prides himself in being their God. He wants to show himself strong on their behalf. There's that scripture in Amos 5, 8 or so. You see this in the Old King James Version. I love the way the Old King James Version puts it. He says, is the Lord that strengthens the weak against the strong. So that the weak may do what? Come against a fortress. Say the Lord that makes the seven stars and the Orion. The Lord that, uh, you know, turns the shadow of death into the morning and the day that makes the day dark with darkness. The Lord um, is His name. The Lord that calls for the waters of the sea and pours them upon the face of the earth again. He says He strengthens the weak against against the strong so that the weak may come against a fortress. Seek Him. Seek Him. That makes the seven stars and the Orion. Seek him. You feel you are weak. You feel you don't have any strength. The scripture says, seek him. Seek him. That makes the seven stars and the Orion. He turns the shadow of death into the morning. He makes the day dark with with night. He calls for the waters of the sea. pours them upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. And the next verse now says, uh, he strengthens the weak against the strong. He strengthens the weak against the strong. Again, the the old King James is the one that puts it the way I'm saying it. He strengthens the weak against the strong, so that the weak may come against a fortress. Amen. That strengtheneth the weak against the strong, so that the spoiled shall come against the fortress. It strengthened the spoiled or the weak against the strong one, so that the spoiled of the weak will be able to come against a fortress. May the Lord strengthen you to come against a fortress in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't forget, God is an ardent and avid advocate for the weak, the poor, the disadvantaged, the the marginalized, the under or the less privileged. And he actually prides himself in being their God and wants you, he wants you and I to join him in his passion and compassion for the weak. For the poor, for the disadvantaged, the marginalized, the less privileged. He wants us to do the same. Let's consider some scriptures that show us that God is especially, especially keen, especially sensitive on the plight of the weak, the poor, the disadvantaged, the marginalized, or the less privileged ones. Let's consider some scriptures that uh, show us some light. Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6 in NIV. Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6 in NIV. I want us to, you know, get a better understanding of of these. So I choose to um, use some other translations so that we understand better what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. So Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6. A father to the fatherless. That is God. A father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a scorched land. So how do you see God here? You see God as compassionate. He rises up and takes charge of the fatherless. He puts himself out as a defender, as a lawyer, as an advocate. Of the widows. And he does this in his holy place. He is busy at doing this. And he says he sets the lonely in families. Those who feel alone. Who feel that nobody cares. He set them in families. He brings people around them. Because he wants to comfort them. Jesus will believe in this word. And he says, I will not leave you What? Comfortless, I will not leave you without a comforter. I will not leave you without compassion. I will send you another comforter. I am your comforter. I have been your comforter. I will send you another comforter—someone who will show you compassion. And He says in that verse six, Psalm 68 verse verses: God sets the lonely in family. He leads out the prisoners with singing. Wow! He rejoices. As he sets the prisoners free, he rejoices over that. Let's go to Psalm 146. Again, we're talking about, we're looking at some scriptures that show us that God is especially keen, especially sensitive on the plight of the weak, the poor and the disadvantaged, the marginalized, the less privileged ones. God takes special interest in them. So if you are one of those who feel that, oh, you are not so important, you know, you are not rich, you don't really matter, you feel nobody cares, you, you feel lonely. God takes special interest in you, God is especially interested in you. Amen. So, Psalm 146, verses 6 to 9, verses 6 to 9, in NIV says, He is the Maker, God is the Maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. Verse 7 says he holds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. Wow. God is so mighty. But he still holds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. Verse 8 says the Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. Verse 9 says the Lord watches over the foreigner. You feel that you don't belong, you are a foreigner, you are a stranger, the Lord watches over you and sustains the fatherless and the widow. He frustrates the ways of the wicked. Wow. Psalm 145 verse 14. Psalm 145 verse 14. In the New King James Version says, The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. If you feel that you are falling, if you feel that you have missed your step, I uh, you don't feel worthy of anything, you feel discouraged and downcast, you feel depressed, you feel depressed, the scripture says the Lord feels for you. The Lord feels for you. He will lift you up. He wants to lift you up. He raises those who are bowed down. If you are bowed down, may the Lord raise you up in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. As you reach out to the Lord, uh, may you experience a lifting in the name of Jesus. The Lord raise you up. You are bowed down. You feel bowed down. The Lord raise you up in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I love this scripture in 1 Samuel two eight. This is this is part of the um, the praises and uh, the prayers of Anna um, when she got pregnant and delivered a baby and um, having been barren for many many years and now she's praising God and this is part of our praises here You see, he raises the poor from the dust God raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the harsh heap or from the garbage dump to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the word upon them. So if the Lord has set the word upon the pillars, he has set the word upon his pillars, there's nothing to set you up on high. Amen. The Lord has set the word upon pillars. He has raised the word up. He has laid the foundations of the earth. The Lord will lift you up. He said he raises the poor from the dust, from the grand level. From Grand Zero and he lift up the beggar from the harsh heap from the garbage dump to do what to set them among princes, to set them among princes, among the princes of his people. Wow, God takes special interest in those who are bowed down, it takes special interest in those who feel they don't belong, who feel discouraged. Again, God is an ardent, avid advocate for the weak, the poor, the disadvantaged, the marginalized. The less privileged ones, and he actually prides himself in being their God, and he wants you and I, he wants you and I to join him in his passion and compassion for these ones. Amen. Now there is a very touching story in Second Samuel nine, Second Samuel nine one to thirteen, which is actually our text, and let's dig into that. Second Samuel nine one to thirteen. So you see, you see it says the first. Sentence here says, now David said. Now David said. To put it in perspective, David is now the king. Saul is gone. After about a dozen years of running around, being chased up and down through the bushes, through the thickets, through the cities, you know, through everywhere by King Saul, David finally becomes the king. And he has actually... Done a whole lot of things after becoming the king. He has expanded the kingdom. Everything is at rest. You know, he has brought the ark to Jerusalem. I mean, everything is wonderful. And the Lord had visited him, promised him greatness, and all of that. And even if we look at uh, um, chapter eight, Second Samuel chapter eight, verse from verse fifteen, it says, "So David reigned over all Israel." And David administered judgment and justice. David administered justice to all his people. Then there's a list of uh, his cabinet members, all the people that uh, were part of his government. So this chapter 9 that now says, Now David said, Now David said, After all of that, it's like, What else can I do? looking around and thinking, oh, I remember, oh, the house of King Saul. Is there anybody left? Anybody still alive in the house of King Saul so that I can show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Anybody left? And now somebody showed up. Of course, if the king would ask a question, everybody would be running around for an answer. So they found Ziba, one of King Saul's servants, he came around, and David talked with him. And uh, the king said, in verse 3, Is there not still someone, is there not still, there must be somebody, I want to show kindness, is there not still, there must be somebody, is there not still someone of the house of Saul, to whom I may show the kindness of God. Did you you hear that? Verse 3. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? This is the kindness of God. This is God's compassion. This is God's kindness. I want to show somebody God's kindness, not just kindness